Well, good morning again. Good to see you here. Can we thank the band for leading us in worship, prompting us in worship? They do a great job. It takes a lot of time and effort, and the group up here, it takes a lot of time and effort to do what they do. I appreciate their gifts and their abilities. And so we've been uh, walking through First Peter. Um, last week, Brad and Kelly Ailey were here. They were able to share as a couple what God's word says. Actually, I think they gave you more of the background and some um, uh, just some information about the, the, the text that we're speaking on today. And I know there's all different kinds of people in the room, um, as there should be, meaning not everyone in the room is married, right? Some people are called to singleness. And so there are people in the room that are single, and they're called to that. There are some people in the room that are single, and they feel like they're called for marriage, and they're waiting for that one person to come in their life, and then they'll get married. There are some that are just young, all right? You're young, and you might be, you know, as a, as a kid or a junior high student or a high school student or even a college student, and maybe you're younger, and you're just not quite there yet. But uh, I know there's so, probably some, uh, some people in the room who've lost your spouses. I know my mother recently, um, I say recently, two years ago, she lost her spouse, my father. And so, you know, there's all different kinds of people in the room. And I want you to know that as you hear uh, this message today, there is going to be something for everybody in the room. Because quite honestly, a lot of the things that are mentioned, they're really for all believers to apply to their life in some way, in some form. And so I hope that everybody would, would be close to listen and to make notes and, and not just push it aside because Peter takes time out to talk to wives and to talk to husbands. Um, and so I want to start out by showing you a meme, all right? You know what a meme is, right? And so I want to show you one. Uh, it says this, dear love of my life, I just want you to know how much I've enjoyed annoying you all this time and how excited I am to keep doing so in the future. Christian, what would Hunter, how, how, what if Hunter said that to you? You would laugh? Skip, what if Carol said that to you? She does? No, I'm kidding. No, she, Carol would never do that. All right? What if, what, if you're, what if someone said that? What if your best friend said that to you? All right? No, the goal is not to annoy somebody on purpose, really, right? Never. We'd want to do that. Never, never, never. Um, we're going to look at some scripture, and Peter's going to share with us uh, how we should treat one another as husbands and wives. Um, and so we want to look at that, all right? So let's go ahead and stand as, as I read the scripture. 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 7. It says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Verse 2, when they see your respectful and pure conduct. Verse 3, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the putting on of your gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women who helped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. 
Verse 6, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Verse 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. 1 Peter 3 1, 1 through 7. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, um, Amy and I have been married 27 years. It'll be actually 28 years in a couple of weeks. 28 years in a couple of weeks. It goes by fast. It goes by so fast, doesn't it? Some are like, no, it's gone by so slow. Um, it does go by fast. I want you to know that as we present and, and, you know, this, this message and as we share with you what we believe God's word is saying to us, we want you to know we do not stand before you um, a perfect couple. In fact, you do not sit and listen to us as a perfect individual or a perfect couple, right? We are here to study the word together and to understand it and apply it to our life the best we can as we leave here today. And that's what we want to do. We just want to share with you what we believe God's word says to us, to wives and also to husbands. And again, for everyone in the room, we can pick and choose some things that can apply to us no matter what stage of life that we're in. So last week, Kelly and Brad talked about some cultural differences. Back then, in the scripture days, the women were not really respected. They didn't have a lot of rights. However, there were some marriages that were there together where maybe they weren't committed as they should have been, or they weren't believers. And so he addresses that in the scripture. Today, we have more rights for women, and, and we also have relationships where maybe one spouse isn't committed as, as maybe as uh, well as the other one, or they're not a believer. And he addresses that in the scripture. Let me share, share with you what submission is not, because that's what the scripture's talking about. Let me tell you what submission is not. All right? Keyword. What submission is not. It's not male domination. It's not men are better than women. It's not blind compliance, meaning I'm just going to go with what he says. No. Submission is not that. And I think Brad and Kelly shared this last week. Chris and Robin are sharing it this week. Submission is when I yield my will to your will, so we will walk together. When I yield my will to your will, so we will walk together. I love in the scripture how it says that Jesus loved the church like his bride. Right? He gave up his life for the church. I mean, that's what we are supposed to do for one another is give our lives up for each other. And so... Um, as we met together, I know Misael was in that meeting. Our lead staff was in this meeting because we were all going to speak through the scriptures. We all came together one night, spent a couple hours looking through the scripture, talking through these messages. And one thing we all agreed on is this. Marriage will magnify or minimize the gospel to others. People can see Jesus. They can see the gospel through your marriage and or through the relationships you have with others if you're not married. Others can see the gospel through you. Or it could be because of your actions, they do not see the gospel through you. You can be used as an instrument for the Lord. So marriage either magnifies or minimizes the gospel. 
Anyway, so Amy and I are going to share. In the first part of the scripture, Peter's specifically talking to wives. And so Amy's going to share that. And so I want to take this moment just to let Amy know how much I love her. And I'm so glad that we're together. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for her patience with me and for her um, choosing me. And, and I love her so much for that. And so, anyway, so we're going to dissect the scriptures. And so um, what we want to do is we want to answer two questions this morning based upon what we see in the scripture. The first question is this. How can wives magnify the gospel through their, their marriage? How can husbands magnify the gospel through their marriage? And if you're not married, you can ask the same question about you. How can you magnify the gospel through your relationships? So those are really the two questions we want to answer this morning. And so you want to start with this first one towards wives, all right? All right. Um, The first point that we are going to make with how can wives magnify the gospel is follow the spiritual leadership of your husband. Um, I understand that there may... Some of you may have husbands that are not believers or spouses that are not believers, but allow your husbands, your spouses, to lead you, your husbands, in prayer, in worship, Bible study, discipleship, serving others, missions, giving, and decision-making within your household that pertain to your family and so forth. Yeah, so I just have here, I want to share just a quick story with you. Um, when it comes to following the spiritual leadership of your husband, recently I was meeting with a young couple that was getting ready to be married. They were actually married last night, and I did actually had the honor to do their wedding. Um, we were meeting at Panera Bread there in Owasso, and we were doing premarital counseling. And, and one of the things that we talk about is, you know, where are you spiritually? What's your relationship with, with Christ like spiritually? You, as husband and wife, you just want to make sure that you're just really have a really close relationship with the Lord. And so uh, one of the things we talked about was prayer in your marriage. And the young man, I won't say him by name, but the young man looked at me and said, you know what, that is something that has been void when it comes to her and I. And he said, I want to start praying, and, and I, want to, I want to start leading us in prayer times. Um, I looked over, and she began to cry. He got concerned because he thought, well, is there something bad going on? You know, what's, what's happening? We're in premarital counseling. He's, uh, he's thinking something's wrong. And I said, so it's obvious you're kind of stirred up. What's, what's, what's the tears for? And she looked at him. At that point, I'm not even in the room. She looked at him and she said, I so want that from you. I want that from you. She wasn't saying that I want you to command me to pray or demand that I pray with you, but let's pray together. And she was saying, I'd love for you to lead that. I want you to be the spiritual leader of my home, especially when it came to prayer. That was for her. And so um, I think Amy would be quick to share that, that that's something she desires is for, for, uh, for me and for others to just to lead spiritually. So. Yes, that is true. I can tell you for the 28 years we've been married, um, Keith has done an exceptional job with that. And he has made me feel loved. He has made me feel um, patient with him. He has made me feel um, just worthy. He values me. And to where that 
right there shows me or has me wanting to um, submit to him and to um, just be a part, be with him, serve with him, do Bible study with him, whatever. In the first part of 1 Peter 3, 1, it says, Likewise, wives, be subject, be submissive to your own husbands. Remember, submission is when I yield my will to your will. So we will walk together. That's very important, that walking together through your relationship. It doesn't mean that he rules over you. It doesn't mean that he controls you. It doesn't mean he commands you. You let him lead and you join together the spiritual journey. I grew up in a home that was a non-Christian home and I saw all of those things of controls, commands, and rules over us. And it's not a fun thing. And so when I became a Christian at a young age or young adult, I should say, that was freeing to see what it is that a husband and wife as one do in a marriage, in a godly marriage. For a non-believer, let your actions do the preaching. Don't judge, don't ridicule, don't nag, don't persuade or beg about faith. Just let your actions speak louder than words. And the last part of that verse in 1 Peter 3, 1, it says, So that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without word by the conduct of their wives. It's our conduct. It's not us begging. Okay. And I was going to share just a quick story about someone I know personally. Years ago, we had an intern in our church. His name was Terry Kurtz. I actually brought him with me from First Baptist Church, uh, Hera. Um, um, actually, I moved ahead of myself. That story's for later. The next story I want to tell you, sorry about that, is um, Kelly Ayler. She shared last week, and I think she may have even mentioned this to you, that uh, her father was not a believer when they, got, when they got married. And it was through her wives, it was through his wife's actions that caused him to really look at the gospel and to see the gospel and to ask questions. And so that's proof that just in their lives that God can use a committed spouse in their actions, in their conduct uh, to someone who's not a believer. And so if that is you, um, allow him to see the gospel through your conduct. So. So, how can wives magnify the gospel? Number one is follow the spiritual leadership of your husband. Number two is make inner beauty a high priority. In verses three and four, it says, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Today's culture, culture, we talk about time, talk about money, we talk, and it takes these things, our hair products, ladies, nails, shoes, clothes, makeup, whatever. When I grew up, that was important in my household. My household was very materialistic. And so all I knew was outward beauty, outward appearance. I had no idea what inner beauty was until I became a Christian and learned that it is being submissive to your husband is, a, is beautiful to God. And a gentle and quiet spirit is precious to God 
to with our heart. We're supportive. We're humble, gentle, kind, loving, selfless. Okay, we are um, gentle and quiet. That is beautiful in God's eyes. So how can wives magnify the gospel? Follow the spiritual leadership of your husband. Make inner beauty a high priority. And the third thing is trust God in all situations. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. The story of Abraham and Sarah was, Sarah was fearful. She didn't know what um, her future represented reputation, her self-value, her husband didn't call her his wife, it was his sister, and she chose to do what was right, and she trusted God with the results. God rescued her. Um, She refused to give into her fears. Even though she had those fears, she refused. Abraham wasn't a model husband. He feared he would be killed by men who also wanted Sarah, and he let men believe that he and Sarah were not married. So, as a woman, I would think I would have those fears and those anxieties and those worries, but instead, she trusted God, and she trusted God during an unhealthy time in their marriage. There's going to be those unhealthy times in your marriage, but that's when you come together as one, and you pray, you seek wisdom from others, whatever. Trust God. So the final thing is, is how can wives magnify the gospel? Trust God in all situations. Okay. And uh, just a quick story about Terry. That's the intern that came from Hera. When I was in in Hera, the town of Hera, at First Baptist Church, Terry was a student in my student ministry. And his father, his name was Lloyd. And he was known in town for being mean, for being like a town drunk, um, he did not support the ways of his wife and, and her faith. He didn't support her going to church. Um, it was a long, long time um, that he actually felt that way and was that way in the community. Everyone knew about him. That was Terry's dad. But his mother, she would pray for him. A lot of times he didn't even know she was praying for him. He would, she would stop by the office at times, just stop by the office and would just walk in and say, would anybody be willing just to, just to stop what they're doing and pray for my husband at this time? He's going to come to know the Lord at some time. Um, and she did that for years. She prayed on her own, and she stayed faithful in church, led ladies' Bible studies, uh, served on mission trips. She was just an incredible lady. And like Sarah, she just really trusted She trusted God in all of her circumstances. They were not pretty at home. They were rough. um, But she trusted God. And um, I I will say this, that there came a day where he gave his life to Christ. We're talking immediate change in his life. He began studying the word. His mouth became cleaner, which means his heart became cleaner. He began to go into church. He went on a mission trip. He was praying for people. And a year later, he passed away of cancer. But he knew the Lord, and now he's in heaven. I'm so thankful that Vicki trusted God through, through her faith and 
through her actions and her conduct. She trusted God instead of just focusing on all the negative, and so that's a blessing. And so thanks, Amy, for sharing those three. Um, how does a wife magnify the gospel in the marriage? Follow the spiritual leadership of their husband. Make inner beauty a high priority. Work on the inside of your heart more so than the outside, and then also trust God in all situations. And I quickly want to share with you um, the rest of the scripture here, actually starting verse 7. How can husbands magnify the gospel through their marriage? Number one is to know and understand your wife. Know and understand your wife. Verse 7, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. In the same way, be considerate to your wives. Um, if you go back and look at the King James Version, all right, I, I focus more on the NIV, sometimes ESV, but in King James Version, it even says, according to knowledge. According to knowledge, love and understand your wife. Know her. Get to know her. What makes her tick? What are her abilities? Study your wife. What are her weaknesses? What are her strengths? What are her gifts, her abilities? What are her dreams? What are her hopes? Understand her inside and out and push her into her relationship with the Lord and join her in her relationship with the Lord. Know and understand your wife. Proverbs 31.11, the heart of her husband trust her and he will have no lack of gain. Um, and understand Know and understand your wife. You should, under, you should know and understand your wife more than anyone else in the whole wide world. And as you do that, and as you push her and cheer her on in life and in her relationship with Christ, the gospel is going to be seen through that. That's number one. How can husbands magnify the gospel? Know and understand your wife. Number two, honor and respect your wife. It's verse 7 2. It says, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. Honor and respect your wife. It says weaker vessel. That's not talking about how they're weaker when it comes to their intellectual side or their even their emotional side. That's not really talking about that kind of weakness. Weakness is talking about um, something that's very, very precious and fragile, something that's very valuable and priceless. It's actually referring to like a vase. Back in those times in the temple, there were very, very valuable things that were used inside the worship centers and temples at that time. And it's talking about, man, treat them as someone valuable and priceless. Um, show honor to that and protect that. And then also it says a fellow, um, a fellow heir of the grace of life. They're an equal partner. They have received grace from the Lord Jesus Christ just so much as you have. And you're equal. You both have been forgiven and so much grace has been given to both of you. She's not a second-class citizen or just servant. She's an equal partner. She's a fellow heir of God's grace with you. And so it brings a question to me as we were, I mean, I were talking through that this week is, it says to honor and respect your wife. So how do we do that? What are some ways we can honor our wives? And so I'm going to let Amy share these with you because she came up with them, all right? Like I think this was her way of going, here's some ways you can honor 
here's some ways you can honor your wife. And so I'm going to let her share these with you because she's already shared them with me. All right. (laughs) Okay. The first thing I thought of was respect her opinion. Her opinion does matter in the marriage and elsewhere. And so respect her opinion. Um, Use your words wisely. Husbands, sometimes you can tear up or you can tear down. So use those words wisely. And that's when Keith was saying, know your spouse. Well, I know that Keith knows that I can just cry at the drop of a hat, you know. And so he is real gentle and real wise with his words when he's questioned me on something or whatever it may be. Um, show your show interest in her passions. So whatever she's interested, I know that Keith loves fishing, and even in our marriage vows, he put that in there. And so, <laughs> with that, I know he loves fishing, and um, and so he just we just got a brand new boat, and he likes to go. But I know also that I don't always like to go fishing with him, and that's okay. Um, But just show interest in her passions. Whatever she's passionate about, show an interest. Wives do the same thing, show an interest. And um, it doesn't mean you have to be a part of their passions all the time, but just, you know, act like you care. Act like you're interested in what he's doing, you know? Um, Okay, Number four, speak highly of her. Um, when you're around others, speak highly of her. We Wives, we can do the same thing, speak highly of our husbands. I know I'm a teacher, and in the teacher's lounge sometimes I can hear some wives grumble about their husbands, you know, and then I can also hear wives talk about how great their husbands are, and it just makes me um, feel better when I hear the words of affirmation or the words of encouragement or the frustrations of their husbands or spouses. Um, Number five, tell her what she means to you. Sometimes I know that Keith and I, we um, will just get away and we just kind of talk through like maybe what our love languages are or, you know, whatever. And so um, one of those things that I will ask is tell me what I mean to you right now this moment it can change there's things that change there's characteristics that change as you get older I know that when I was younger I was just real you know basic and simple and you know and so as those things change he needs to know and I need to know what I mean to him number six do not compare her to others number seven remember those special days Christian remember those special days (laughs) And then number eight, sacrifice time. Make time important. Quality time is so important, especially when you start having children and so forth. Make that important. So remembering special days, you're talking about anniversaries, birthdays, last day of school, things like that, right? Okay, great. Weren't Weren't those good? We all needed to hear those, right? The boat is officially up for sale right now, so I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Number two, honor and respect your wife uh, if we want to magnify the gospel in our marriage. And here's the third one. It's, uh, it, it sounds pretty simple and very elementary. Um, and it's to love your wife. Verse 7, 1 Peter 3, 7, it says, So that your prayers may not be hindered. Um, the word hindered here means to, to hold back. You don't want to hold back your wife. 
You want to love your wife, pushing her to her hopes and her dreams and her faith, challenging her, pushing her. Uh, you don't want to hold her back. You want to love her. And there's lots of different ways you can do that. Some of those Amy just mentioned as well. So I, I, that's really the three things there for, for, the, for the husbands. Um, so here's the mission life challenge. I came up with this one. I really struggled with it. I didn't, Misael uh, really struggled with this one. But I think there ought to be a sense of accountability, right, for all of us. And so here's the mission challenge. Sometime this week, meet with your, spa, uh, spa, meet with your spouse and a friend, okay, or a friend. So if you're not married, meet with a friend. Meet with your spouse or a friend and share the following two statements to them. One sermon point you do well is, and then mention that to them. Refer back to the notes. Um, so if we meet this week, I can say, Amy, I think you did really, you do really well with point two. The next one says, what one sermon point needs attention? Amy, I think number three needs attention. And this is a way for us to communicate, to become better become better as we love one another and as we hope that our conduct and that our marriage can present the gospel in such a way to where people would ask questions and want what we have, which is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amy and I come from two different backgrounds. It's not easy. It is not easy. Um, I come from a family that went to church. My mom and dad, um, man, they're just, just, they're not perfect, but they're just great examples of what a husband and wife should look like. Always, there were some struggles here and there, but I can look back and say, man, man, they practice these things. Um, Amy's parents are really good people. We got great memories with them. Um, but they're not believers in Christ. And that's why Amy could kind of speak into, uh, if any of you relate to that, she can speak into that. And so we understand that there, there could be some struggles and some hurts and some emotionals, some emotions that we, you go through because maybe your spouse isn't a believer or your, your best friend isn't a believer or someone you're interested in isn't a believer or maybe their relationship with Christ is not what it should be. Um, we, we understand both sides. Um, and we've learned a lot about faith through both sides. And so our goal and our prayer from day one was that Amy's mom and dad would see Jesus through us. We didn't beg them. We didn't persuade them. We never preached at them the way we treated our children, the way we disciplined our children, the things that we watched, the things that we didn't watch, the places we went to, the places we didn't go to, the way we treated others, the way we made decisions. Uh, the, just We wanted them to see Jesus in what we did. And I want to let you know they haven't received Christ yet, but we're praying that they do. And we hope that they see Jesus through our marriage as we love one another according to the scriptures. That's easier said than done, but that's our prayer. That's our prayer. And so we just want you to know that we understand there's two sides and we've experienced that.
And so I guess the, the question that we have as we close is, so what is it that you need to give more attention to? And would you join us in embracing that and try to live out the scripture and what it's called us to do? I'd like for you just to stand. We're just going to have a time of reflection, a time we can just pray where you are, or you can come up and use this stage area as an altar in your life. But we're just going to take just a few moments just to pray and reflect on the scripture that was presented to us today through 1 Peter 3. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, and you can react, respond in the way that you need to respond.